Hello and welcome to Album Nerds Podcast, where we uh, talk about albums. This is Dude, and I got Andy with me. Andy, what's up, my man? Yo, yo, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the show, everybody. Yet another edition of the Album Nerds Podcast. Uh, today on the show, we actually have a record of someone, a band who is starting out by the name of Black Country New Road. We're talking about them first, and then we're going to uh, jump into a brand spanking new release, Greta Van Fleet, the band from another time that time traveled to us from <laughs> the mid-1970s. I think they did. Uh, we're also going to talk about a couple older albums, some of our old favorites, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, The Boatman's Call, and The Beatles. That's right. Maybe you've heard of them. The Beatles. The Beatles. And this is uh, Let It Be is the album we're going to talk about. So just to boil it down on the Album Nerds podcast, we're not like reviewers per se. We're just a couple of album lovers that like to talk about albums that we want to recommend to people or that we have loved for a long time. That's what we're going to do today. Word up. So yeah, we'll start out with these uh, new release recommendations. So you're saying we should jump in the fire? That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so why don't we go? <laughs> it's time for some albums. All right. So I'm up here first. My new release recommendation here. I'm talking about Black Country, New Road, and their record that came out in February of this year for the first time. This is their debut full length from the London Seven Piece. Features elements of jazz, punk, rock, and klezmer, which I had to look up. It's like a Jewish form of uh, kind of like really fast dance music. Interesting. Yes, indeed. We are going to play a cut. From the middle of the record, this is a little bit of sunglasses. punk jazz infusion there to get your day going definitely for fans of the show this is definitely an andy type record it's got a little bit of a groove a little bit of a rhythm propulsing throughout here um but there's elements of of kind of jazz and i guess you could say like math rock tossed in there with the uh the guitar, the violin, saxophone, keyboards, pretty good-sized group here. They built up a pretty good reputation just for their live shows in and around the London scene. Uh, performed regularly with the group we talked about on the show maybe a year or two ago, uh, Black Midi. Remember those mm-hmm. guys, man? We talked about... I sure do. Yeah. Kind of a similar to like uh, the band Slint, if you're familiar with them from like the 90s. Very post-punk. Definition of post-punk in my mind. So really been digging this record myself quite a bit. It's a bit of a grower. It's kind of a, you know <laughs> what I mean, right? Go- like, yeah, my mind always goes to dirty stuff when you say grower. I think shower, and then of off we does. go. 
What did you think of this record, man? You said you mentioned you had heard of this at some point when it came out. It got a little bit of yep. buzz around the internets. Um, yeah, I, I listened to it a couple of months ago, I guess, and promptly forgot about it. <laughs> Didn't have a big effect on you? No, I mean, it, it, it had elements that I really liked, and it still does. Like, mm-hmm. if you stripped out some of those influences and then picked two or three, I think I'd be really happy with it. But there was, it was too varied for my particular uh, taste, you know, like, but, you know, the rules, and I, find, I think this is the case for all music fans, the rules change. Oh, I don't like, I don't like electronic instrumentation and in something, right? And I don't like electronic yeah. music, but then some band you really love, put some of it in it and you find a way to <laughs> like it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, probably contradicting myself <laughs> in some ways <laughs> so i'll be like on episode 73 you said that you did like yeah. these different elements hey, together I, so. I, would, I would love it if someone out there listened that carefully <laughs> please take me to the mat beat me up i deserve it somebody please, please so yeah i mean bottom line is it was just it didn't it didn't connect or click for me but it, it wasn't like a, a, a torture session it just didn't do anything for me well let me tell you why it did a few things for me please do <laughs> i think the opening and closing cuts it starts out with this about five and a half minute instrumental track just simply entitled instrumental which i think is a pretty ballsy thing to do on your debut record just uh especially when you have a vocalist on the rest of the record just come out there with this very unique kind of like jazz freak out i would say and i was have you ever like seen like herb under like a jewish wedding man and heard the type of music that they would play at a jewish wedding no i only i've only seen them on television like movies and stuff yeah you know like they got someone in like a chair and they're like hoisting uh-huh. them up and down and there's like that yep. really sort of like crazy sounding fast music happening it sounds super intricate mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a, one of the genres they're pulling from that i mentioned earlier this Klezmer genre. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize to our Jewish listeners. Um, I've never really heard that used in like a rock context before, and they do a pretty interesting job of it here, especially on that opening cut. And then it comes back around again on Opus, the, the closing cut. has a very similar sonic quality to it, which I really found interesting. Uh, it's like very intricate and kind of like, if you're a fan of like math rock or any of those like more technical sides of the genre... I think you would really find those two tracks particularly interesting. The middle of the record is much more of like a post-punk. What What are you laughing at there? Nah, just the the. I've never fully understood math rock. I guess because it's very the maybe the time signatures are really calculated or something. But it just yeah. sounds like two words put together that don't <laughs> that don't <laughs> exist do together. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to listen to some geography rock. I mean, but there's schoolhouse rock, so I guess I can accept anything. Well, I think this would teach you a thing or two if you were to listen to it. Maybe take a little more seriously. Maybe you would learn something, my friend. If you got to take out a calculator to write your song, walk away. Well, some of these compositions they put together are fairly impressive in terms of their complexity, but I think they come off with an ease to their music, and I know they've done putting their their hours in terms of the live performances. I think it pays off here in these recordings. I definitely would recommend this for fans of people who appreciate my taste in music. Actually, anything else? Anything else you want to say, man? Uh, yeah. If you're a fan of Andy's taste in music, then you should definitely check this out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and if you're not a fan of it, of Andy's taste in music, I listen to it anyway. It's only 40 minutes. It won't kill you, and maybe you'll find something in there. You know? You never know. You never know what thing is going to change your mind. This could be the one. <laughs> All right. Well, that is Black Country, New Road. The album is For the First Time. Came out back in February of 2021. Check it out. It's a very interesting listen. What do you, what do you got, my friend? I'm on pins and needles here talk about this i'm record. a man of the people so i i picked something that all the people have heard of it's like there we're we go. gonna listen to greta van fleet the michigan sensations that have brought the 70s back some say a little too much a little too much led zeppelin there's never too much led zeppelin but that, that's really? really yeah that, that's been the accusation for this band, and, and this is their newest album. It is called The Battle at Garden's Gate. came out here in April of 2021. Let's check out a track, Age of Machines. So that was Age of Machine from Greta Van Fleet's latest release, The Battle at Garden's Gate. I wouldn't say that that is my favorite song on the album, but it is a good one. I wanted to capture a little bit of Josh Kiska's vocals as well as the stellar guitar work on this thing. I thought about just going with one of the songs that uh, just has a huge guitar solo, but <laughs> thought that was unfair yeah. to the band. So for those of you that don't know... Um, Greta Van Fleet are an American rock band that were formed in 2012 in Frankenmuth, Michigan. It's got three brothers, the Kiskas, Josh, Jake, and Sam, and Danny is on drums. He's a friend. And they were signed to a record deal in 2017, so they're, they were teenagers when it all started. Um, they're probably early, mid-20s now. This is their second full-length album. Andy, we've talked about Greta Van Fleet a little bit on the show. I think when that Black Smoke Rising EP came out a few years back, I talked then about how much they sounded like Led Zeppelin and how much I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And then their their full-length album came out, and it was more of the same, and I didn't like it. This one, I'm digging it. What's your general first impression? What did you think going into this when I said we're going to do the Van Fleet. Well, first, let me say that I have been binging this album like it was part of my inner <laughs> monologue the last few days. Like uh, this album. Me too. The dear dude insisted that we review this days after it came out. So, and unfortunately, it's an over an hour long. It is over an hour long, but it's not a torturous hour, is it, Andy? Ah, uh, elements I would say could be used in torture. <laughs> For, at least for me, um, <laughs> you could strap me down and and uh, put headphones on and and uh, which is the uh, Josh is the vocalist? Is that right? Yes, yes. 
I think you could torture me with, with Josh's voice, I would say. But um, let me say, in general, I think this album is a step forward for the band. I think they have yes. much stronger identity on this record than they did in the past. Um, it's not nearly as Zeppelin-y. It's not as blatant of a Zeppelin uh, inspiration here as I think in the past. So that's cool. I like some of the longer songs, and they, they seem to be kind of branching out into those more grandiose lush soundscape which is cool i think the production work helps maybe in that case but there's still some elements of the band that i just cannot get behind largely the vocals but there's other things too yeah i i I think the kid can sing his face off i would like to see a little bit more variation uh in the registers i'm i it's mostly a lot of high stuff and he can really wail, but I, I personally, especially with some of those longer songs, would like to see the different sides of his voice and see what else he's got. Um, but he's got his woe down pretty good, I would say. The variations on the woe is uh, pretty explored that pretty thoroughly, I would say. A lot of vocal affectations, a lot of, but there's a lot of music too. A lot of these songs are longer. There, there I mean, is. You, there is. you can't write lyrics for a nine-minute song. <laughs> no, and have it try. be interesting to listen to, you know? Uh, yeah, so lyrically, I think this is, in some instances, a step forward. There's some good lyrics. A lot of it is very short and shallow, um, a lot of mystical references. And, and if you if you dig in and, and, like, the band has said what the songs are all about, and some of them are about, you know, communication between our souls and a higher power and that kind of stuff. I would have liked mm. to have seen more details more detail but that can come right i mean this band is growing uh, uh, like you said this is a step forward musically and particularly where it does sound like a 70s like i could have gotten this in 1975 and it sounds it doesn't sound like a band trying to be that it sounds like they are that they sound like they really belong there you know and that's what yeah, is they do. captivating but if, I mean, if this came out in 1975 in that landscape of, of bands that were putting out music that were mm-hmm. in the same vein, do you think yep. this would be popular? Like, would people like this in comparison to other stuff? I do. I do. I really do. I think it sounds, it, it just, it fits. Even like, the, I, mean, I think part of that mysticism in the lyrics is, I mean, this band wants to be that and that's okay. What I wasn't a huge fan of is when it was one sound. And now I'm hearing a little bit of the Beatles in the arrangements. I'm hearing... Now, that could have something to do with uh, Greg Kirsten, the producer, who produced mm-hmm. Foo Fighters, uh, Medicine at Midnight, uh, as well as Paul McCartney. He's worked with Paul McCartney, I believe, in the past. So Yeah, some of your faves. So there's definitely some Beatleiness there in terms of the arrangements. There's uh, Vocally, I think he sounds more like Getty Lee than... Robert Plant. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of room to grow. I could see them getting progressive as time goes on, like more of a prog rock kind of thing. And there's there are moments of that. I think those are some of the strongest moments on here when they do get into those more noodly passages here yeah. at times. Uh, I think that works pretty well. It opens strong with Heat Above. It closes strong, in my opinion, with The, uh, the Weight of Dreams. That's a yeah. long one. But man, that's, that's good. when it it's works. cooking, it's cooking, and and that was that was I thought about taking a clip from that for this for the yeah. show, but it would have just been guitar. Excellent. Yeah. No, I, I felt the same way. Like that guitar solo at the end of that, I think is probably the the highlight of the record for me. All in all, though, 
It's a step forward I was hoping for. That's what I want to see from a band. I love that there's rock bands that have some notoriety right now. And they're the one. They're one of the main ones that people actually know the name. Not that there yeah. aren't tons of rock bands out there, but I think they could help, you know, once we get out of this this mess and have tours and stuff, rock tours going again, whoever opens for them is going to be a lucky band, you know, and and because they'll get to in front of an audience that wants to hear rock music. So for an hour long album, which you know, I don't love at long albums. Yeah. I didn't have a huge, I didn't have a huge problem with the length. I, I found myself enjoying and grew, it was groovy and fun and totally worth jumping in on Greta Van Fleet. If if you didn't like that, that whole two Zeppelin-y thing when they first came out, I'd say give them a second chance and check out uh, check out the Battle of Gardens Gate. It's a it's a solid album. Is it a world changing classic? Only time will tell. But for me, solid fun. It's what rock and roll at its core should be. And I love that there are some young people out there that have that in their souls. Well, I'm glad it worked for you, my friends. Um, and you know, I I think it's good that people are playing this type of music. I don't know. I don't really buy in on it necessarily myself, this band, but uh, I'm glad they're progressing. That's cool. I'm still, I think I'm still going to pass on this record over. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> that's true. That's true, Mr. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I got to channel the real dude every Dang once in a dude. while. <laughs> oh, wait. It's, it's dog time, isn't it? It's dog time. It's dog get time. The, get out the ketchup and the relish. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Sauerkraut? Mm. Yeah. That's, you, oh, wait. You, you, took it, you took it from being delicious food to the, right at the end. That that uh, mm sound was a little too bedroom for me. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, dogs. We're not going to eat these dogs. We're going to listen to them. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, for my old dog selection here, we're talking about a record that came out in 1997 from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. The album is Boatman's Call. This is their 10th studio album for the Australian rock band. Uh, the four-piece features piano and minimal instrumentation compared to their earlier works. Lyrically, it primarily focuses on romance and religion. We are going to play the opening cut. This is a bit of Into My Arms. Not to touch a hair in your head, leave you as you are. He felt he had to direct you and direct you into my arms. Into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms. Alright, that was a little bit of Into My Arms by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Oh, Boatman's Call. Uh, so this record was known for being a pretty dramatic shift from, I guess you would say, the <laughs> post-punk stylings of Nick's and the Bad Seeds' earlier records. Uh, they've been putting out music since, I believe, like the early to mid-80s. Yeah. They've been doing it for a while at this point. But this one was a much more intimate portrayal of particularly Nick's psyche at this time, in which he was going through some 
failed romances. I think the one that most people are aware of was his relationship with uh, PJ Harvey around this time. Um, what was your experience with Nick and had you heard this record before? No, but it did get me listening to PJ Harvey again. Little oh, fish, really? big fish. <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> Little fish, big fish. Remember that? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I had not heard this album. I was mostly familiar with, was it Let Love In from 1994? I think that was the only album I ever had listened to. That had a song called Lover Man on it that was really cool, and then Metallica covered it on their on their yeah. uh, garage days. But <laughs> for me, when I heard this, I'm like, okay, cool. Nick Cave, I don't listen to Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds too much. And I thought that'll be fun. And it's not fun. It's like a really, really sad piano man at a bar when you're like, <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> like, I, I can't even eat now because I feel so down in the dumps. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad, glad I could do that to you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's clearly talent and personality and something special with with this this guy in this band and and what he's done over the decades if you're not uh in good spirits i wouldn't recommend jumping into this <laughs> be happy then when you when you when you go in happy and then when you finish you'll feel like somewhere in the middle <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an it's an emotional record uh it's largely about heartbreak and mm -hmm. I, I, I think there's that element, like on the surface, but I think there's like deeper questions that Nick is asking about spirituality and religion and how they fit into sort of this life that he's talking about. Yeah, a lot of the songs deal with kind of like this conflict between his like earthly desires for love and romance and sort of like these higher ethereal, um, Musings about how, how God is, is viewing this and, and what his role is in allowing these things to transpire or not to transpire. Um, which I find really interesting. It's a very consistent tone, both lyrically and sonically throughout the whole record. It's primarily Nick's voice, uh, the piano mm -hmm. and a little bit yep. of backing, you know, drums, bass, a little bit of strings occasionally. Um, but it's pretty minimal. The opening cut that we put into our arms just like sets the tone perfectly. It's, Maybe the best song on the record. It's just so beautiful. I, I love the sentiment, and I think his performance on it is just like jaw-droppingly beautiful, in my opinion. There are songs that are, I think, a little bit more positive. There's one song, the second song, Lime Tree Arbor, which is kind of about a moment of being content and happy in this kind of beautiful space that he's describing under this lime tree. It's probably one of the few moments that it has that the happiness and the kind of contentment yeah. on the whole record. It's immediately followed up by People Ain't No Good, <laughs> which is like uh, this very cynical take on humanity. And he says, uh, it ain't that in their hearts they're bad. They'd stick by you if they could, but that's bull, just bullshit, baby. People just ain't no good. <laughs> so in the end, people always let you down is, is kind of his uh, his credo on this, on this record. And you know, I think you can make that argument in general. People will are inherently selfish and uh, will probably leave you by the side of the road if, if it's in their best interest. Wow. You think I'd do that to you? You think I would What's do that? that to you, man? So you're saying that I would leave you on the side of the road if I found a, a, a co-host for this show that I found more delightful? <laughs> 
Yeah, after 124 episodes, I would be on the curb watching you and and by the way, folks, new pretty thing. We're taking we're taking applications (laughs) on uh, (laughs) podcast at (laughs) albnerds.com. Or replace me. I mean, there might be people out there like, get rid of that old dude with his old rock songs. And this guy has no appreciation for Nick Cave, apparently. I don't know. Hey, I don't. I have appreciation for Nick Cave. I just found this album to be very sad. Yeah, and it made it. You us. know, and it, it, especially um, I think because of the p- the focus on piano. When piano is played in a certain way, the piano itself sounds sad. And then you add in his vocal style. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a yeah. it's a combination of just, you know, it's like two friends sitting there lamenting together, the piano and him talking to each other. And that's kind of what it sounds like. And yeah. you're kind of uh, eavesdropping on it, which is cool. So I'm not saying it sucks or that it's bad I'm or that he's bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, no, no, I'm the, just the presentation is different than what I, my expectation based on what I knew of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That's true. That's true. There's a few songs on here that maybe aren't as stellar as some of the the really high points. West Country Girls and Black Hair, kind of two-thirds of the way through the record, um, seem to focus lyrically on his relationship with PJ Harvey. In particular, I didn't really find those songs as compelling as some of the earlier stuff. But at the end of the record, again, I think it really picks up with some fantastic songs. In particular, Idiot Prayer, which we are going to play a cut from now. Pass me to that house above Is heaven just for victims, dear Where only those in pain go Well, it takes two to tango Yeah, man, that's like, uh, sometimes it's it sounds like Jim Morrison and Tom Waits had a baby. <laughs> that's kind of what I hear. <laughs> no, I could definitely see that, man. That sounds like a beautiful baby to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that song in particular has that kind of like dark, cynical quality you'd expect from Nick Cave where, you know, he's talking about this, this guy, this criminal being, you know, brought in for his execution. And uh, he's wondering if he's going to see his love in heaven or if he's going to see her in hell. Kind of the implications that perhaps that she is uh, not so innocent in this crime that that he committed. Uh, really interesting. I love the story there. And his delivery is, is fantastic as well. So I think this album is among his best, if not his most accomplished work to date. Um, he, did, he has done some awesome stuff in the 2000s as well. But this is the one I come back to the most, especially if I'm in more of a a vulnerable mood, I guess you could say. And you get out the bubble bath and <laughs> light some candles and uh, have a good cry. That's cool. <laughs> Dude is just like shaking his head at me. Like, You're such a pussy, man. <laughs> no, there, there's no such thing as that anymore. Uh, you're, you're, you, <laughs> yeah. You're in touch with uh, your your deepest self, man, and That's I applaud true. that. Get that smirk <laughs> off your face. <laughs> Enjoy your Earl Grey tea while you cry into it. 
<laughs> I will. Thank you very much. All right, man. So, what do you what do you got? So, we're going to talk about the Beatles from the 1970 album Let It Be, their final album. Technically, not really their final album. They recorded it before they recorded Abbey Road, but they released Abbey Road first, and then after they broke up, this was released. So let's check out Get Back from Let It Be. So that was Get Back from the album Let It Be. The Beatles are were an English rock band formed in Liverpool in 1960. Uh, they had some guys you might have heard of, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Oh, yeah, those guys. Okay, yep, yep, yep. The, the uh, fab for the mop tops of the 1960s, the British invasion, the changing the face of... Music and the way that mm-hmm. it's produced yeah. and released. This was their 12th album. So they recorded a lot of albums. They broke up in 69 or 70 officially. And they recorded a lot of albums in that time. They, they were very prolific for that period. It's amazing how much more they put out. What quality work, I mean. And the early stuff was, you know, a little more She Loves You, Yeah, 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 and that kind of thing. And, and based on American uh rock R&B type of uh, Chuck Berry type of stuff. That's where they started mm-hmm. and made their way into the more psychedelic world, especially after 1966 when they stopped touring because they said that they just couldn't hear themselves play anymore. It was nothing but girls screaming. <laughs> and um, How baller is that, man? Like, how yeah, cool I know. is that? Like, I know. Our fans are so into us that we can't even hear ourselves play. So we're just going to take a break. That's well, so awesome. and, you know, the timing was was perfect because as the music had started to progress in those years with albums like uh, Revolver and Rubber Soul, the fan base started to shift a little bit as well. So you lose the screaming teen girls and as mm-hmm. you're getting into the 60s culture and sitar music and different psychedelic sounds. And so they just made studio albums from 1966 to 70 and Sgt. Pepper and the white album and all that stuff. And it became more about album oriented rock and dudes like my dad were huge fans of that, you know, sit around talking with your buddies about, Oh, well, this song's about blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what the Beatles became. They didn't start that way. They were the Joe bros. They were the, you know, they were the Jonas brothers essentially when it started. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. Growing, changing, but okay. then like I talked yes. about how I sure. how I contradict myself. There are other bands I don't want to change, like Pearl Jam, for instance. <laughs> I want them to be the same as they were <laughs> in 1992. Were. <laughs> so. True. What'd you think of this, man? I mean, had you had you jumped into this before? Or is this a first time for the whole album? I think it's probably my first time for the whole album, though the album cover looks so familiar. Maybe I've sure. had it around or something like that. Um yeah, um, overall, I really liked it. I think this is probably the one record on the show today that we both can agree on is pretty dope. 
I was mm-hmm. surprised to hear some criticism of it because uh, I think it was pretty fantastic. I really love the like the more bluesy sound, especially on the kind of the yeah. opening cuts here. Like get back and I take a pony was a really nice surprise for oh, me. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, that song is fantastic. Uh, so loose and fun and uh, awesome beat and and that and that record it sounds like they're having a good time. Like it sounds like that yeah. Paul McCartney's idea of getting back to the sound worked. Well, yeah, I think that song was pulled from the rooftop sessions. Everyone has seen those that footage of them playing a concert yeah. on the roof. Some yeah, of those yeah. songs were re- recorded there, and I think that was one of them. It does feel like the band playing like a bunch of old friends rather mm-hmm. than a bunch of clashing egos trying to get their part into the song. Exactly. Yeah, and one thing we should bring up is Let It Be Naked Yes, was a, was a secondary version of this. So the original, uh, they released it after the Beatles had broken up and Phil Spector got his wall of sound in there and and added a lot of strings and flourishes and stuff on a few of the songs along the winding road uh, across the universe. And some fans and certainly Paul McCartney didn't like what was done to some of his stuff. So Let It Be Naked was released in 2013 and they took out all that stuff and then put some songs back in. Why don't we listen to one of the songs that's missing from the original release, but I've uh, I've always listened to in my mind as part of it because it's from the same sessions. This one's called Don't Let Me Down. Yes, she does. That was Don't Let Me Down. It was recorded for the album, but didn't make it onto the first release in 1970. When when I was coming up and I wanted all the Beatles albums, I bought them on CD. And they were the British releases, not the American ones. So it was like 15 total, and they were bookended by Past Masters Volume 1 and 2. And those were all the singles. And Past okay. Masters Volume 2 was the second half of their career, and it had Don't Let Me Down on it. And with that Billy Preston organ and stuff, I just knew that it was from Let It Be. So I always, whenever I would make a copy of it for, I didn't know where to put it. It was, I had it as the last song, but I'd make a, a cassette. Make like your own version of it? Yeah, and I'd add that <laughs> that song on there. <laughs> so cool. it, was, it was cool to have it in Let It Be Naked, but then that opens up the conversation of, I say go listen to both of them. That's what I say. Because the original is what it was for the time. That's the decision that was made. Phil Spector was the guy at the time. He was the producer for George Harrison's um, All Things Must Pass. He was the producer for John Lennon's first three solo albums, I think, including Imagine. So he was involved, psycho or no, he was involved, <laughs> and that's what it was. But Let It Be Naked is a really cool second view of what's yeah. already a great album. I really dislike when bands go back and tinker with their, old, with their work, you know, Normally, 20, 30 I agree. years later. But in this case, I 
really prefer the naked version of this record. It's much more intimate and mm-hmm. I think feels more real than what the sort of yeah. like grandiose Spectre version with all the vocal harmonies and the strings. And there's only really a couple songs in particular that I think he, I don't want to say he ruined, but Across the Universe, I think is, is one of the cooler songs on here. Mm-hmm. And his version of it just sounds so hokey and dated at this point to me. Uh, yeah. So for that alone, oh, and also the song, the song ordering is different on the naked version, which mm-hmm. I think works way better the way it is on, on the, the re-release. Um, my, my only beef with it is that John and George weren't able to yeah. chime in on, on let it be naked, right? As to its sure. release, but they, you know, they're gone. I yeah, I can't I can't replace the original with the naked version because I grew up with the original and that's what I knew until 2013 and knew it well. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. can't I can't replace it, but I certainly enjoy it as a as a bookend kind of a thing and it, and it does have its own intrinsic value and is I think closer to the spirit of what they first were or at least what Paul McCartney would, saw as his vision for this album. Yeah, I, it feels much more consistent sonically than the original release in my mind. But yeah, awesome. Such a cool record. There's so many great songs on here. Yes. Maybe the middle is a little bit, I don't want to say weak, but it's not as amazing as the beginning and the end, I think, are so fantastic. And I love I love having Let It Be be the closer on here. I think that's yes. like a great way to go out, especially considering this is like their last studio record. Mm-hmm. And that song is so iconic, and that's such a beautiful message. Even after hearing it a thousand times, it still resonates. You know, compared to all of music, I can't say if the Beatles are the best band ever, or any of that kind of thing. They left a mark that I don't think any other band has or will do ever again, and that we're talking about them, and that people continue to be mega fans is amazing. So, Let It Be is something you should listen to. I just think it's forgotten. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's, I don't think it's among the, the most popular records, um, but it does have some other really fantastic songs on it. So. I, I shouldn't say, I think I like it better than Abbey Road, honestly. Yeah. And I know that's like one of their canon classics, but I like the looseness. I like the real feel of it. I like mm-hmm. that the, the words actually matter some, you know, more so than there's not a bunch of poetic gibberish words you know i really i I really connect with this it's it's rootsy and groovy and i dig it yeah i kept coming back to it It doesn't something about the beatles especially like that from the 65 to 70 period feels so kind of as an outsider sort of pretentious and at this point a little cliche and this record really just blew all that up for me like it feels very real and authentic and it feels like you're hanging out with these four guys i love that so yep. I, yeah, cool pick, man. I'm glad we got to talk about it. I'm glad I got to listen to nice. it. Yeah, I, I've, I've wanted to talk about the Beatles for a long time, and I just ha- couldn't settle on what. And then I, I was going through my collection and spotted this on vinyl. I'm like, oh man, we got we got to talk about Let It Be. That's the one. And I've enjoyed <laughs> listening to it a lot. I've listened to it a bunch of times in the last few weeks, and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah. So go check it out. Too. Go check out Let It Be and uh, the Naked one too. You don't have to be naked to listen to it, but uh, it worked for me. <laughs> all right boys and girls that is our show for this week tell us what you thought of these records you can email us podcast or leave us a voicemail 
585-210-2454. Love to know your thoughts on these collection of albums. Or just call us for a good time. Subscribe to and download the show. I made that joke last week, but it's funny. Subscribe to and download the show in all the usual places. If you'd like to do us a solid, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Album Nerds. Word up. If you want to support the show, you can us a donation albumnerds.com slash support. We'd appreciate it. We will be back again in about two weeks with a another handful of album recommendations for you until then i do thank you for listening as always and we'll catch you next time see ya <laughs>